knows better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. You're listening to an audio teaching from Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church located in Pasadena, Texas, and it is our mission to save the lost, equip the saved, serve both the lost and saved, and to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting at the beginning of a book and working until the end. If you would like to learn more about our church, you can find us at connectedtojesus.org or check us out on Facebook at Cross Connection Church Houston. We pray that this teaching would grow you in the grace and love of Jesus Christ our Lord. accept Jesus, we are given many wonderful blessings. And one of those blessings is that each one of us who has placed our faith in Christ is given a spiritual gift. And something I have discovered, you know, through the years of being a pastor is that many Christians don't know what their spiritual gift is, or if they do know, they just really don't understand their relationship to spiritual gifts, how they're supposed to operate with them and use them. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at the second relationship that Paul deals with in this final set in this final section on Romans, which is our relationship to spiritual gifts. And in these verses, Paul's going to share with us two challenges concerning this relationship we have to spiritual gifts. Uh, the first challenge is focused on how we should view ourselves in light of the gifts that God has given to us. And the second challenge is what to do with the spiritual gifts that you've been given. And so Paul's not giving an exhaustive understanding of this relationship, but he's just saying, you know what, here's two vital things, your view of yourself and what you should do. If you can understand that, then the relationship you have towards spiritual gifts will be a lot better off. And so it's going to be very practical and important for us to understand this because each one of us who have placed our faith in Christ has a spiritual gift. Uh, and so what we're going to understand here should be uh, important for us. And so let's start with the first challenge that Paul gives us, which focuses on how you and I should view ourselves in light of the spiritual gift that God has granted to us. Starting in verse 3 of Romans 12 says this, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. The way that you and I view ourselves in light of the gifts that you and I have been given is very important to the relationship we have with spiritual gifts because we have a tendency to become prideful when we look at the gifts that God has given and we start exercising those gifts in our lives and we start seeing how God uses us and how God impacts people through us. We have a tendency to to kind of think more highly of ourselves than we should, to get arrogant and prideful. And so before Paul deals with what we should do with spiritual gifts we've been given, he starts with how we shouldn't view ourselves and how we should view ourselves in light of the spiritual gifts we've been given. He starts off with how we shouldn't view ourselves. When you look at the spiritual gift you've been given, when you see how God is using you and working through you, you shouldn't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. You know, as just people, we have a tendency to do this, whether it's with spiritual gifts or anything else. You know, our our selfish flesh, our arrogance within us, we often have a tendency to think more highly of ourselves to have a you know puffed up uh, and uh, elevated view of ourselves more than we 
should. You know, pride is a sin that each one of us have to deal with, but it's even more difficult when God is working through you, when God's doing great things in your life through the gifts that He has given you. And oftentimes, the spiritual gifts we've been given leads us to think we're better than we really are. It leads us to think we're better than others when we're really not. I know I've struggled with this many times in my life. The different giftings that God has given to me has caused me to be in this place where I get prideful and I start thinking more highly of myself than I should and, and seeing what God's done in my life or working through me, you know, kind of just picturing and seeing myself in a light that isn't accurate or biblical. You know, I read a story that illustrates this truth of how we're prone to think more highly of ourselves than we should. Uh, for those, well, not here, but Don Shula is the winningest coach in NFL history. And, you know, especially at the heyday of, you know, when he was coaching, he was very well known, especially in, you know, the football world. And so he says to his wife, you know what, let's go somewhere where we can just get away, where, you know, we can be anonymous and it can just be you and me and, and that's it. And so they go to this little seaside town in Maine and it's raining when they arrive. And so they decide to take in a movie. And as they enter this small theater that the movie hadn't started, the lights are still on and they walk in and all of a sudden people just start cheering and clapping. And, you know, you know, Don's just smiling and he sits and he says to his wife, I guess there's nowhere I'm not known. And she says, and loved, dear. And a man near Don reaches out and shakes his hand. And Don says, you know, I have to admit, I'm kind of surprised that you guys know me all the way up here in Maine. And the man responded with a puzzled look on his face and said, should I know you? We're just happy you folks are here because the manager said he wasn't going to start the movie unless two more people showed up. <laughs> so Don Shula thought more highly of himself than he thought. He comes in, he thinks, oh, they're all cheering for me when really they were just happy that the movie can now start. And you know, this is just a great reminder to us. So often we think so highly of ourselves when we shouldn't. And a verse that is a, a good sobering reminder is James 4, 6, which says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, as we get prideful, as we start thinking more highly of ourselves than we should, this should be the verse that we come back to, because the last thing any of us want is God to resist us. But the Bible says that's exactly what he does to us when we're prideful. And the thing that we desperately want from God is his grace. And he says, I give it to those who are humble. So I resist those who are prideful. I give grace to those who are humble. And this should be a good reminder as we look at and view ourselves in light of the giftedness that God has given to us. And we need to remember that giftedness does not equal maturity. You know, oftentimes we look at people and say, wow, God has super gifted them and given them all these spiritual gifts. It doesn't mean that they're spiritually mature. What shows spiritual maturity is the humility that you act upon with those gifts. If you have all these gifts from God and you're prideful and arrogant, that shows an immaturity in your life spiritually, not a maturity. And so having gifts is great, but you need to view yourself in a proper biblical way, which is a humble view. So Paul starts with how we shouldn't think of ourselves when it comes to um, the gifts we've been given. We shouldn't be prideful. The thing we should do is to think soberly. The Greek word translated soberly means to be of sound mind, to be in one's right mind, to put a moderate or humble estimate upon oneself. 
So instead of thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to, you should think soberly. You should think humbly. You should have a right perspective of yourself. And really, that's the issue for us. We have a wrong one. You know, when we think of ourselves in a way that was not accurate, we think more highly than we really are. And the sober is actually have the right, proper, lowly opinion of ourselves. You know, drunkenness is the opposite of being sober. And when people are drunk, they usually don't think rightly. You know, and that's part of the problem. And for any of you who have you know, had a problem with drinking in your life, you can understand that reality that when you're you know, drunk, you, you kind of you know, aren't in touch with reality when it comes to yourself and you're not thinking rightly with things. And um, you know, one thing that I have discovered is drunk people, they think they're good at singing karaoke, but they're not. Jenny and I, when we lived in Scotland for a couple of years, we lived in an apartment above a pub, and every Friday night they would have karaoke night, and there was a 100-pound prize, which is like $150, if you won. And so all these people think, oh, I'm going to win this karaoke night. They're all drunk, and we have to listen because it's loud enough that it comes up into our apartment every Friday night of how horrible these singers were, and they're thinking, oh, I'm going to win this. I'm so great, but they just didn't have a right perspective, and I'm sure if they were sober... They'd be embarrassed if someone, you know, put it on YouTube and they look back and thinking, man, that was me. But, you know, we need to think rightly about ourselves and not too highly of ourselves. So basically, don't be prideful. Instead, be humble as you view yourself in light of the spiritual gifts that God has given to us. And now Paul is going to give us two reasons why. Why is it that we should see ourselves in a humble way as we view ourselves in light of the gifts that God has given us? The first reason that we have that Paul gives us is in verses 4 and 5. He says this, We have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You know, the most common analogy that Paul uses when he speaks about the body of Christ is the human body because there's a lot of wonderful uh, correlations that go with that. You know, it's a great analogy because the human body is comprised of many members with different functions. But all those functions have to operate together. They have to work as one for our human body to operate properly the way that God designed it to. And in the same way, the body of Christ has many different members, us as people with different gifts and different functions, but we need to work as one. All those gifts need to be functioning properly for the body of Christ to work as God has designed it to work. So we don't all have the same spiritual gifts. We don't all function in the same way, but we need all the different spiritual gifts to be functioning in the church body for it to function the way that God intended it. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul basically says the same thing, but he shares more details. And he gives the same illustration of the human body and the body of Christ. And he's he's building this case for why we should be humble in our view of ourselves, in light of spiritual gifts that God has given to us. And Paul brings up, you know, in 1 Corinthians 12, that there are two negative responses that we so typically have when it comes to our view of ourselves, two prideful responses. Um, And so I want to address those because I think it's so important that we understand these things as we're kind of 
trying to understand how we humbly uh, view ourselves. The first negative prideful mindset that Paul addresses is in 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 19. It says this, For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleases. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So Paul starts off with several different questions that different members of the human body might be posing. Paul says, you know, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, am I not of the body? Or perhaps if um, the ears should say, because I'm not an eye, am I not of the body? Is that true? Are they no longer part of the body because they make that statement? And the answer to these questions is no. Just because the foot and the ear are different than other parts of the body, it doesn't make them no longer a part of the body. If the foot felt or declared itself not of the part of the body because it wasn't a hand, the foot would be both foolish and also mistaken. Diversity does not disqualify a member from the body. Actually, diversity is essential for the body to function properly. And that's why he goes on to bring out the importance of diversity in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? You see, if the whole body were a giant eyeball, yeah, that would be great for seeing, but it wouldn't be able to do anything else that the body can do. It wouldn't be able to hear. It wouldn't be able to think. It wouldn't be able to walk. It wouldn't be able to talk. And so, you know, it, it wouldn't function like the body is intended to. It would just have only one function as opposed to the many that our bodies are designed to do. And so diversity is essential for the human body to function properly. And the point of this is so is the body of Christ. Diversity in the body of Christ is essential for the body of Christ to function properly. There needs to be different giftings, and those giftings are all important. Now, these questions that Paul shares about the human body are revealing what some Christians in the body of Christ are thinking and feeling about themselves in light of the gift that they have been given by God. Paul puts these questions in the mouth of a believer who feels excluded from the body of Christ because they're not given the certain gift that maybe they hoped for or wanted or, or view as superior to their own. And so it's like them saying, you know what, I don't have this certain gift, and so I must not be important. I must no longer be a part of the body of Christ because I haven't been given this gift or I haven't been given that gift. I only have this kind of lowly, insignificant gift. And so because of the gift I've been given, I now have this mindset that, you know, I, I'm no longer a part or important to the body of Christ. After all, hands and eyes seem more important than feet and ears. You see, some Christians feel like since I don't have the gift of teaching but only have the, the gift of help, so I'm not part of the body of Christ. Since I don't have the gift of prophecy but I only have the gift of administration, I'm not part of the body of Christ. And Paul wants these Christians who feel this way to know, hey, that's not the case. Just because you're different, just because there's diversity, that doesn't make you any less part of the body. Actually, it makes you essential for the body to function the way it should. So those who see their spiritual gift as not that important, 
Those who think that, you know what, because I've been given this whatever gift, I don't really have much of a, a function in the body of Christ. They have a wrong view of themselves in light of the spiritual gift they've been given. That's a prideful view. It's not a humble view. You see, it's prideful to think the gift that God has given me isn't significant. The gift that God has given me isn't important. You know, why didn't God give me that gift? Because then I'd really be important in the body of Christ. Or why didn't God give me that gift? Because then I'd really have an important function. No, this gift that God has given me is useless, and therefore I'm not really a part of anything. That's an arrogant view and a prideful view of seeing what God has given me isn't important. Instead of a humble view that says, I don't deserve this. And it's amazing that God has given me this, and I'm going to use this gift for His glory, and I'm so excited that I have a role within the body of Christ to do and to use, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability to give God glory. So the first prideful response to our spiritual gifts is feeling like we're not a part of the body of Christ because of the gift that we've been given. The second prideful response is a feeling that, you know what, I'm better than everybody else because of the gift I have. I got the great gift. You guys got the secondary gifts. My gift's wonderful. Your gift isn't. I'm so much superior to you. And if everyone just had my gift, man, the body of Christ would be so much better off. Well, Paul addresses this unbiblical prideful mindset in 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 22. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Paul starts off saying, you know, here's the other side of the coin of this pride. You can't have the hand saying to, or the eye saying to the hand, I don't need you, or the head saying to the feet, I don't need to. How foolish and wrong it would be for the eye to do that, for the eye to say, hey, hand, I don't need you, because guess what? The eye could see what it wants. But it can't have it unless the hand actually grabs it and brings it to him. How foolish and wrong it would be for the head to say to the feet, I don't need you. The head could think all day long of the places that it wants to go, but if it doesn't have any feet, it's not going anywhere. It's a, the feet are essential to the body. In the same way, it's foolish and wrong for people in the body of Christ with a certain spiritual gift to think, well, <laughs> I don't need you with your gift. My gift's superior, my gift's great, my gift's all that's necessary, and that's all that's needed, and so you're not needed, your gift's not needed, I'm the only one who really is needed. And those Christians who think that way, they're wrong. There are no such thing as superior or inferior gifts. The spiritual gifts are all important. It's not like, oh, this is the superior one, and that's the inferior one. No, they're all great. They're all wonderful. They're all important, and they all are necessary. And whatever God chooses to give you, you shouldn't think, wow, I'm so great because I have this, and you only have that. It should be a mindset of, wow, God gave me a gift, and it's wonderful, and I want to use it for His glory. So the first reason why we should think humbly of ourselves in light of the spiritual gifts we've been given is because every spiritual gift is important. We all have one. We all need to use them. And none of us are better or worse than another person because of a different gift that we have. So there's no room for pride. The second reason Paul gives us for why we should have a humble view of ourselves in light of the spiritual gift we've been given is at the beginning of verse 6. Notice what he says. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. One of the biggest things that should influence your view of yourself in light of the gifts that you have been given is why were you given your gift? 
That should be a question that we want to know the answer to. Why is it you got the gift that you got? Why is it that I received the gift that I received? And notice here we're told the reason we were given these gifts according to the grace of God. God gave you a spiritual gift. He gave me a spiritual gift according to His grace, His unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor, which means you and I did nothing to earn or deserve the spiritual gift that we were given. And since we didn't do anything to earn or deserve it, why do we boast in it? Since we didn't do anything to earn or deserve it, why do we have this pride within us? I mean, you don't deserve it. You didn't, oh, well, I have this gift because I'm so wonderful, and you got that gift because you're not. I mean, that's kind of what we think. You know, I'm deserving of this. God gave me a better gift than you because I'm so wonderful, and I live for Him better than you, or I'm more important to Him than you are, and He's blessed me better than you. And it's it's completely unbiblical. It's completely wrong to have that kind of thinking because I didn't get my gift because of something in me. I got my gift because of God's grace. And the same is true for you. He just says, you know what? You don't deserve it, but here, you get to have this gift. And you don't deserve anything, but here, you get to have that gift. Paul wants us to understand this reality because it's so sad how often we think so highly of ourselves because of what we've been given. It's a gift. We didn't do anything to receive it. It'd be one thing if it was a wage. And we worked real hard and then we earned it. And then we could say, hey, look at what I earned. You know, I deserve this because I put all this work into it. But that's not how it works. God just says here, you don't deserve it. That's yours and that's yours. So there's no room for pride within that. Actually, it should be a very humbling experience. The fact that God has given you a gift that you don't deserve. The fact that he has given me a gift that I don't deserve should humble us. Like, wow, why did you give this to me? I'm so unworthy of this, Lord. Not, I'm so great, thank you, God, I know you'd finally realize how wonderful I am. But no, I'm so unworthy of this, and now I want to use this for your glory. I know I don't deserve it. I know that you you shouldn't even use me at all because of all I've done and all that I am, but yet, God, I'm grateful for it. It should bring us to a place of humility, not to a place of pride. John MacArthur said this, No matter how well-grounded we may be in God's Word, how theologically sound we may be, or how vigorously we may seek to serve Him, our gifts will not operate so that our lives can be spiritually productive until self is set aside. For self-denial is the spiritual worship of God flows self-surrender to the will of God, and from self-surrender flows self-service in the work of God. You know, I love what he brings up here because one of our biggest hindrances to God working through our life is selfishness, the focus on self, the selfish pride that we have. It's all me and I'm so great. And that's one of the biggest hindrances to God moving and working through us. And he says, here's a spiritual gift. I want to use it in your life to impact people for my glory. But the main thing that's going to hinder that is your own selfish pride that will stop the work of God in the way that he wants to use that gift in your life. So the first practical thing that Paul shares with us concerning our relationship to spiritual gifts is we must have a humble view of ourselves in light of the spiritual gifts we've been given in order to have a proper relationship to spiritual gifts. This is where it starts. A proper relationship with spiritual gifts starts with a proper view of yourself in light of the gift you've been given. It starts with a humble view 
If you can start there and have a true humble view that you are undeserving of what God has given you and you recognize that, that's a great starting point for God using His gifts in your life in a powerful way. If you start with arrogance and pride, that's a great way to squash what God wants to do. The second practical thing Paul shares with us concerning our relationship to spiritual gifts is in verses 6-8. through He says this, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Once we start with this understanding, this humble view, we don't deserve the gifts of God. They are His grace that He has given them to us. Now we come to a very important question we should be asking, well, what does God want me to do with this gift? Okay, I realize I have it. I'm I'm humble that He has given it to me. Well, Paul answers the question of what should I do with the gift that I've been given? He says in verse 6, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. That's what God wants from us. I gave you a gift so that you would use it. And notice right after Paul makes that statement, he declares seven different spiritual gifts. He's not giving an exhaustive list here, but with each one of these spiritual gifts, notice right after it, he basically says, use it. If you've been given the gift of prophecy, Use it to prophesy. If you've been given the gift of ministry, use it to minister. If you've been given the spiritual gift of teaching, use it to teach. The spiritual gift of exhortation, use it to exhort people. If you've been given the gift of giving, then use it and give it liberally. If you've been given the spiritual gift of leading, then use it by diligently leading. If you've been given the spiritual gift of mercy, then use it cheerfully. Show mercy to others. The point is, If you have been given a gift, God wants you not just to hold on to it, not just to say, oh, look how great I am. Look at the gift I've been given. No, use it to bless others and bring glory to God. One spiritual gift, or our spiritual gift, sorry, has no benefit to anyone if we don't use it. And this is the reality that I get so saddened by because the Bible is clear that each one of us have one And when I see so many believers that first maybe don't know their gift or they just don't use their gift, you realize, you know, God has given you something that he could bless the body of Christ in immense ways with, yet no one's being blessed because you're not willing to use what you've been given. And so he didn't just give it to you so to hold on to it. He gave it to you to actually use it for his glory. Something that is becoming more and more common in the church world today is that people are coming to church desiring to be benefited by other people's spiritual gifts, but having no desire or inclination to use their own. So often we, you know, you, people will come and you know, ask the question, you know, what can your church offer me? What, what can your church do for me? How can your church bless me? What's going on in this church that's going to benefit my family? But rarely do you have someone come in and say, how can I use my gift to bless this church? How can I offer what God has given me to this church to, to encourage it and build it up? We, we have this mindset of, I'm just going to go from church to church and find which one is going to meet all my needs. And I have no desire to use my gifts to help meet anyone else's. 
And it's a very sad place where a lot of believers are at that, where it's like, I don't care about using my gifts. I don't care about seeing God work through me. All I care about is just getting from other people's gifts, being blessed by them, my family being blessed. And, you know, if none of us ever use our gifts, that's okay. As long as we're getting blessed, that's all that matters. And that's just a very unbiblical perspective of how the body of Christ should function. Because if there's only you know the leadership or just a few using their gifts, then the, the body of Christ isn't functioning the way that God has designed it to function. So the second practical thing that Paul shares with us concerning our relationships to spiritual gifts is we must use our gifts in order to have a proper relationship to spiritual gifts. This is a key. You know, I mean, it's a practical thing. You know, obviously Paul doesn't go into all the details about, you know, spiritual gifts, but hey, the reality is you gotta use them if they're gonna be exercised the way they should. So now Paul goes on. He's gonna share with us seven different spiritual gifts and kind of building this, you know, use it, because each time he says a gift, he tells you, use it. Uh, but, you know, what I love about this, this list is definitely not exhaustive. But he shares some things in here that we often don't associate with spiritual gifts. Usually when we think of spiritual gifts, we think of miracles, we think of prophecy, we think of you know these kind of more supernatural things. But he shares a lot of practical stuff here. And we often don't associate these practical things as something supernatural that God is giving to people as a spiritual gift for them to use in the body of Christ. And so the first one is more of the, the supernatural one, but the rest of them uh, are, are definitely more practical. And so the first thing that uh, Paul mentions here in this list is prophecy. Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Prophecy is speaking forth a specific word from God. If you look through the Old Testament, you know, you have all the prophets. You know, that's ultimately what they were doing. God was giving them a specific word for a specific group of people, and their job was to take the word that God had given them and deliver it. You know, okay, God's told me to say this to the nation of Israel, or God told me to say this to this group, or whatever, or for Jonah's case, God told me to take this group to the Ninevites. You know, whatever the group is, whatever the message is, the prophet's role is to speak forth that word that God has given to them. Now, this ministry of prophecy can be used in, in different ways. You know, you see it in pastors as, you know, uh, they're teaching, and God gives a specific word to the church, you see it in times when we pray for one another and someone shares a specific word from God to encourage the body. Uh, you see it in daily conversations where God has put something specifically on someone's heart and mind and it's like, hey, I believe God wants me to share this with you right now uh, and you are sharing a word of, from the Lord to people. Now with saying that, all spiritual gifts come with great responsibility. And I think this one has the most responsibility associated with it. If you were going to be bold enough to say, thus says the Lord, God has given me a word from you. God has a specific message from you. I am his messenger. I'm going to speak it to you right now. You better be pretty confident that the Lord is truly speaking to you and giving you a message for that individual or for that group of people. There is great responsibility with that. And we realize how much responsibility God held on that role because back in the Old Testament, if someone was a false prophet, meaning they were claiming that I'm speaking on behalf of God, but really I'm not, I'm speaking on behalf of myself, I'm saying something that is not of God, the consequence of that, and God is the one who established it, was you shall be stoned to death. Okay, so this was real severe. 
God's saying, you know what, if you come and you say, I'm speaking on behalf of God and I'm really not, God says, well, I see that as such a horrible thing that I'm willing to have that person killed. And so when we look at this, and I'm so you know, appalled in many respects when I listen to some, you know, people in, you know, different ministries and stuff, and they just willy-nilly throw this out, and it's so unbiblical, it's so obvious it's not of God, and just realizing, do you even read the Old Testament of how God felt about that kind of thing? Do you realize the responsibility that you have when you say that, especially in a role like mine, where I realize if I came up to most of you and I said, thus says the Lord for you, that would be a very impactful thing. And many of you would just take that to heart and say, oh man, the Lord has just spoken and I'm going to you know, act upon that. Well, I better be right in that. I better be speaking on behalf of the Lord because if I'm not, there is some significant issues that I'm going to have to deal with. And so this shouldn't just be something that we kind of think, well, I don't know if it's the Lord or not, but let me just say it is. No, you better be confident in it. And if you're not confident, then maybe you just come to someone and say, you know what, I feel this. I'm not sure if it's God or not. I mean, I just feel like I'm supposed to share with you something. And here it is. You pray about it and you can determine whether it's the Lord or not. You know, don't say it's of God unless you're confident it is. But it's a great gift and it's a great way in which God speaks to his people. The second spiritual gift that Paul mentions here is ministry. This word ministry means service. It's to serve one another. In Scotland, you know, they didn't really use the term pastor very much. It was always minister. And I actually really like that term because it means servant. But sadly, if you go to, you know, all of Europe, but definitely in Scotland, and you hear this term minister, minister, but it was always the one who was elevated, the one who kind of, oh, I'm too good to do anything. You know, I'm not going to serve. You guys serve me. I mean, that was the mindset of the people in leadership. And it was the mindset of someone when they say, oh, minister, you know, they would never associate that with servant because those people weren't serving them. You know, it was always like, oh, you're the minister. We need to serve you. No, that's backwards. If you're the minister, you need to be serving people. That's what the, the term is. Uh, and so this word ministry is it speaking of service. Someone who has this gift to serve. And I believe God gives this to many people. This is one of those gifts that covers so much because there are so many different ways in which we can serve God, especially within the body of Christ. And when you have this gift, you're just going to have this great desire to serve. You're going to want to get involved. Hey, wherever you need me, I'm willing. I'll do it. You know, just here I am. I want to serve. I want to, you know, just get involved in different ways. And I'm confident that the Lord has given many of you this particular gift as I see your heart to serve and willingness to jump in and do different things. Uh, and this is one of those things that we usually wouldn't think of as a spiritual gift. Well, everyone should serve. Yes, that's true. But God actually moves and gives certain people this gift to serve the body of Christ in a very important way. The third spiritual gift that Paul mentions here is teaching. Teaching means to explain, to instruct, to impart knowledge. And the most important thing in this gift, in the context in which it's given, is teaching God's word, teaching the things of God. There's a lot of great teachers in the world today, you know, in academia in different ways, where, where they're great at communicating but that's different than having the spiritual gift of actually communicating God's word. You know, this is more of what it's kind of referring to. Uh, and once again, Paul challenges us, if you've been given the gift of teaching, use it to teach people. If God has given you the ability to explain his word, to expound upon his word, to help people understand his word better, use it. 
do something with it. Don't just be, I mean, I, I've met guys who are just amazing men of God's word, know so much. Of, you know, I sit with them and they're so great at communicating it. And I ask, you know, oh, where, where do you teach? Where do you, you know, have an outlet? Oh, I don't do anything. It's like, why are you wasting this? You know, God's blessed you. He's gifted you. Now take it and share with people so that they can grow and be blessed by it. And this is something that we often think, well, it's just for a time like now, a Sunday service, someone like myself, or a midweek service. You know, when everyone's together, the person at the front, he teaches because he has a gift of teaching. Well, there's truth to that, but it's a lot more than that. You can use a gift of teaching in so many different settings. You could be at work, and you could have a co-worker, and you could expound the Word of God to them. You could open it up and, and help them learn and understand it in your home, with your neighbors. I mean, there's so many different ways in which you can take, whether one-on-one, -on -one, one to five, one to a hundred, whatever the ratio. It's just saying, hey, God has gifted me with the ability to communicate His Word, and I'm going to look for opportunities to do that. And you don't have to be a pastor or be, you know, in a specific ministry role in that way. Uh, you can do it because you've been gifted, and I think you should. This is another one of those gifts with a lot of responsibility. James 3.1 says this, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. When you do come to God's Word and you say, I want to teach people this, I want to help people understand it, once again, just like with prophecy, realize there's a responsibility that comes along with that. You know, just to come in there and just be like, oh, yeah, this is what it means. When you have no clue what you're talking about or you're not sure that's actually what it means, you don't want to declare that. You want to do the best job you can of helping people understand what God's word says so that they'll apply truth, not something that's false. And James is saying, hey, for those of us in this role, if we come and we declare things as true that are not, we have a stricter judgment. There's a greater responsibility when you stand and say, I'm going to teach the Word of God. I think it's a great you know, role. I think it's a great thing to do. But realize with these gifts, don't forget the responsibility that comes with them. And do your due diligence to make sure you're communicating God's truth, not just your own thoughts. The fourth spiritual gift that Paul mentions here is exhortation. The word exhortation means to come alongside of someone and console, encourage, comfort, and strengthen them. And so Paul says, if you've been given this gift of exhortation, then use it to exhort people. If you have been gifted in coming alongside and encouraging and building people up and comforting them and consoling them, if that's the gift that you have, use it. And it's one of those gifts where we have so many opportunities. I mean, there's so many people at any given day that are in desperate need for someone to come and exhort them, to console them, to encourage them, to come alongside of them, to help them. There's so many different things that we go through where we're in desperate need of this. And if God has gifted you in this, just be looking and seeing. There's someone who's going through a difficulty. I want to be that exhorter. I want to be that comfort. I want to be that consoler in this their life. And so I'm going to go and do that for them. Use that gift if God has given that gift to you. The fifth spiritual gift that Paul mentions here is giving. This word means to impart what you have to others. And Paul says if you've been given this gift then use it with liberality. Speaking of very generously. If God's given you the gift of giving, then don't just hold on to everything. Use it liberally. He's given you this gift so that you would meet people's needs, so that you would bless them through your giving. 
Now, here's another one of those gifts that we usually don't think of as a spiritual gift because the Bible's clear that all of us should be those who give. But here we're told that God actually, for certain people in the body of Christ, He gives a spiritual gift that they just have a real heart to give. And I have often seen, it's oftentimes associated with people that have the resources you know, to be able to really bless the body of Christ. But I know as a missionary for many years, I was so grateful for this gift because people who would faithfully give because the Lord had just put this in them to want to meet other people's needs. And there's so many needs within the body of Christ. There's so many things that we can practically help with through our own resources. And so this is a great gift if God's put this in you to use it for his glory. The sixth spiritual gift that Paul mentions here is leading. The word means to be over, to superintend, to preside over something. Paul says, hey, if God's given you the spiritual gift of leading others, then do it with all diligence. Be a diligent leader. Don't just say, yeah, I have this gift, but I'm I'm not going to lead anybody. I'm not going to be in any role where I lead people. No, be a diligent leader. If God's blessed you with that, then find ways in which you can lead others. The final spiritual gift that Paul mentions here is mercy. The specific word that Paul uses means to help the afflicted or the wretched. Paul's saying if you've been given this gift to help the afflicted, to help the wretched, do it with all cheerfulness. You know, oftentimes helping the afflicted and the wretched, that's not a cheerful thing. That's not a, an easy thing. That's oftentimes not something that even that group really appreciates. And so it can be hard to do this. And so not only should you do it, he's saying, but do it with all cheerfulness. Have the right attitude, the right perspective. God's given you this gift and maybe this group of people's hard to minister to, but minister to them and do it with a cheerful attitude. There's a lot of opportunities here in our city to do this for sure. Now, you might be thinking, all these gifts are great, and there's more than these seven, but how can I know what gifts God has given me? How can I be sure of the spiritual gifts that I have? Because I want to use them. I want to do this. You know, Paul says, use it. Well, I can't use what I don't know. So I want to finish with just a couple practical things, four uh, practical things that you can do to discover your spiritual gifts. These aren't, these are just simple. First, Ask God to reveal to you what spiritual gift he's given you. That's where you should start. If I'm not sure, Lord, tell me. Because here's the thing. God gave you a gift because he wants you to use it. So guess what he's not trying to do? Hide it from you. It's not like, oh, we're going to play a little hide and seek here. You're never going to find it because I don't really want you to use it. No, he wants you to use it. And so ask him, Lord, I want to use the gift you've given me. I just don't know what it is. So please show me. Help me to realize it. Help me to see it so I can do it. And he's going to show you if you want to know. So the first thing you do is just come before him, ask him. The second thing I would say is discover what spiritual gifts there are. You know, a lot of people are just ignorant to the spiritual gifts that the Bible lists. So it's kind of like, oh, I don't really know if I have any gifts because I don't really know what gifts there are at my disposal that God might have given me. So I think it's great to do a study and discover, like here we see seven, I would say go to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. That's a great place to start. Read through that. Look at the gifts that God has given, and then you can start seeing whether maybe you have some of those gifts. So discover what they are by putting some time into studying what God's Word says. And then third, examine your spiritual desires. I think this is a big one where God leads. Think about this. If you have a desire to do something spiritually, 
You have a desire to bless people spiritually. Do you think that is coming from your flesh? Your flesh has no desire to bless people spiritually, no desire to do that. So sometimes, you know, people are struggling with this, like, I have this desire to share the gospel. Is that really from God or from me? From you, it's definitely not. You don't have that desire. Trust me. You know, should I love this person? Is that desire from God for me? I mean, there's just so many clear things that it's like, you know what? If I have a spiritual desire for something, that has come from God. And if God has given me the desire, perhaps it's because he's given me the gift. And so I think that's a great thing. Like before I ever taught the word of God, I had a great desire for it and a desire to expound upon it and encourage people with it. And, you know, it was that desire that kind of brought me to this place of, well, maybe this is a gift that God's given me. And I find that with so many people, as you talk with them, and maybe for you, that's your, been your experience as well. It started with a desire, and then God showed you, hey, I've given you this, and now let's kind of work it out. And so if you have a desire for a specific gift, then that could be the way in which God is showing you, hey, this is what I've given you. I've given you a desire because I want you to use a gift that I put into your life. Fourth, take opportunities to try it out. You know, if you think God has gifted you in a certain way, then you need to try to find a safe outlet for you to discover that. You know, I think, you know, for people who come to me and say, you know, I think that God has gifted me to teach. Oftentimes they think, well, can you just step out one Sunday and let me just take the pulpit to find out? That's not the most safest place and uh, not the best, but you know what? There's outlets with, you know, meeting up with someone and just going through a passage of scripture and trying to communicate that to them and just starting in those types of ways. And if you can't, communicate God's word on a one-on-one basis if you're really struggling with it. Well, maybe that's not the gift he's given you. But those are, you know, there's lots of ways in which you can, you know, exercise and uh, put these gifts into practice uh, so that you can discover, okay, yeah, maybe I have the gift, but I just need to develop it. You know, I mean, nobody starts as just an amazing teacher or, or a lot of these other things right away. It's something that God helps you grow in, helps you to develop. And so, you know, finding different safe outlets to, you know, I have this heart's desire. I, I just want to see, you know, maybe this is something that God's doing. Uh, I want to serve in this capacity or I want to step into this role. And, and I'm praying about that. And um, so I think it's a, a good thing to try to seek to find an outlet to determine whether this is something the Lord's really given to you. I would like everybody in our fellowship to know the gift they've been given and to use it. And so if you're in a place where you're like, I just have no clue, then not only would I say for you to pray, but I would love for you to share with me. And I'd like to pray with you and that we would just seek the Lord to find what that gift is. If you think, you know what, I'm pretty sure I know my gift, but I'd like to have an outlet for it. I'd like to know how I can use that within the church. Well, once again, I'd love to talk with you. I'd like to talk about how we can do that, uh, how we can give you opportunities to put your gifts into practice or maybe just to kind of have opportunities that may discover whether that truly is what the Lord is gifting you in. So in our two relationships to spiritual gift, Paul shares with us two challenges. First, we have to be humble in our view of ourselves in light of the spiritual gifts we've been given in order to have that proper relationship to spiritual gifts. And second, we just got to use them. We got to use them properly for God's glory to benefit others, but you know we can't just hold on to them. Spiritual gifts are not something that we should fear. They're not something that we should be prideful in. They're something that we should humbly approach and use them for God's glory.